Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. All right, follow a better path for a better life. We are starting a new series. We actually kind of started it last week. Thank you to uh, Bo for bringing the message and bringing the word. Um, We are going to be talking about following Jesus for the next few weeks. This series of sermons that we are entering into is going to be a bit longer than usual. It's going to lead us all the way up until Easter. It's a a series that is based off of a series from uh, Andy Stanley, a minister pastor at North Point Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, And this is a series that is going to be great for us to invite our friends to. Uh, our friends who uh, might have some uh, doubts or questions about Christianity, even ourselves, and how we can communicate, how we can zero in and dial in and uh, communicate the gospel and just kind of zone everything else out and just look at the gospel of Jesus. And so that's what this, this series, this new series is about and is from and, and what we are going to be entering into in the next uh, few weeks, all the way up until Easter. Now, as some of you know... I'm what you would call a PK, all right? I don't know if you know what that means, but it means a preacher's kid, all right? So, of course, most of the stories that my siblings, uh, my brother and my sister and, and just my extended family, we told last week at my dad's funeral centered around something that happened while we were at church, all right? The, the stories that we told each other, like, like swimming in the baptistry, when no one was looking, right, doing cannonballs in there, or army crawling up and down the aisle as my dad was preaching, or, or just the, the billion times that we broke the front door of the church because we would race from our house to the, to the church and see who could touch the, the door first, and like every other month, someone's hand went through the door, right, or the, the million different ways that we could distract ourselves and each other and not pay attention to dad while he was speaking, or teaching, and how he would get our attention from standing up here on the stage, and without even saying anything, just a look in his eyes, how it would threaten us, like we're going to get whooped when we got home, right? All he had to do was just kind of like, right, just in the middle of his sermon, he could be preaching about love, and grace, and, (laughs) and forgiveness, and he'd just give you that, and you know that you're in for a long, long afternoon, a sore afternoon. Right? You see, growing up, the son of a preacher has some advantage, advantages. Oh, can't say that. Right? And one of the things that can be both a blessing and a curse is that we see church just a little bit differently than everybody else. Right? For example, as many PKs, many preacher kids do, I remember growing up and just hearing people uh, say, oh, man. Right? Oh man, we just we felt the spirit of God moving in the room today. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? I remember people saying that, and I would look around and I would say, no, no. Right? I would look around and say, no, there were just a lot of people in the room today. And and then I would politely remind them whenever the room is full, you just seem to feel the, the spirit of God more, right? And I would think to myself that that if the same group of people were plopped down in a football stadium all of a sudden. No spirit of God. You see, I just see things a bit differently. But if, if preacher kids are not careful, we can become a little cynical, right? And we can miss the point, right? And the whole point of church, 
of gathering together as the body of Christ weekly, right? And listen, Foundry, the, the truth is this can happen to a lot of people who grow up in the church, not just preacher's kids, right? Those of us forging our life on God, and, and listen, no matter where we are in that process, we can have a tendency to make this faith thing about something entirely different than what it's supposed to be. Right, we can we can mess this up, right? And let me explain. I, and I want us to kind of think of it like this, right? I, I think we kind of have this tendency to make uh, the whole Christian life, forging our life on God, the whole Christian thing, spirituality, right? However we want to put it, we kind of make it just like a big giant game of Jesus says. You've heard me say that before, right? And you know what I mean, right? You heard or have played, most likely, the game Simon Says, right? Simon Says, raise your hand. What do you do? Yeah, Simon Says, raise your hand. Raise your hand, right? Simon Says, lift your leg. You, you lift your leg. Simon Says, spin around. What do you do? All right, you spin around. Sit down, right? Oops, right? Simon didn't say that, right? Sometimes faith in Jesus can feel that way if, if we're not careful, right? If we don't guard against it. We can feel like to be a Christian is simply doing, 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 and, and behaving, right? If, if Jesus says jump, you better jump, right? If Jesus says go to church, here you are, right? Right? If, if Jesus says, uh, don't look over there, we, we don't look over there. Jesus says, uh, don't curse, so we, we watch what we say. Jesus says, pray, well, I, I could do better at that, so I add that to my list. Or, or Jesus says, uh, love my neighbor, yes, that neighbor, well, I guess I'm out, right? <laughs> I'm out of the game now, right? right? And if we make our relationship with Jesus li like this, and we mess up, Right? We, we mess up. We miss one of the orders. Well, then it can feel like just we're out. We're going to have to go sit down on the sidelines in the game of Jesus says. Right? We, we lost. Or even worse, on the other side of this the same coin. Right? Even worse, let's just say we're doing great at the game. Right? We're, we're, we're nailing it. Jesus says, pray, so you pray every day, 10 times a day, and you have a prayer journal. You saw the movie War Room, which is about prayer, so you made yourself a prayer closet. Right? You're, you're killing it, right? You're killing it. And Jesus says, read your Bible, so you got yourself one of those journaling Bibles, and, and you've written in every little space available uh, every morning and every evening. You have the whole Bible memorized by now, even the book of Numbers. You're winning the game. Right? You're, looking, you're looking and your goal is for that gold star that you can place on your chart. Right? Right? Then, then you find yourself looking around at everybody else and, and here comes the problem. You look around at everyone else, the, the people who seem just to be sitting down, who, who are getting out of the game, who are messing up, and you can start thinking, look how good I am. <laughs> look how good I am. Look at my gold star chart. It's pretty full. Right? All right, when we approach faith, all right, when we approach faith or anything like this, it is very easy to step into comparing ourselves and being judgmental towards one another. And it's just simple. It's easy, right? All right looking at anyone who is, who's no longer in the game and looking at them and thinking, oh, man, they're messing up, right? Why did they even join the game in the, the first place? And we look at them as less than, 
Now, you, you, you think, listen, if I'm, if I'm going to be miserable, if I'm having to do all these things and, and, and do it well, then you're going to have to be miserable too, right? Now, get in the game and, and just do what Jesus says, right? So, so here's the tension, uh, the onion that we need to peel this, this morning in this following Jesus thing, forging our life on him. Look, look at this, right? We find ourselves in this inconsistent, judgmental, angry cycle of playing a game. A game that we were never really meant to play in the first place. That's where we're finding ourselves, right? Two, two sides of the same coin. We are playing a game that seems like it's just Jesus says and we're terrible at it, right? Or we're rocking at it and we're becoming pretty judgmental in the process. Both sides thinking that that is all that there is to this faith thing to this Christianity thing, to this spirituality thing, to this forging our life on God thing, right? Maybe, maybe this is your first Sunday back at church in a long time, or, you are, or you're watching online for the first time in, in many years, a church service, a message, a sermon, right? And you're thinking, man, this is the reason I'm, I'm not in a church, or this is the reason I just started coming back to a church, doing this faith thing. Right? You're thinking, this is the reason that I dropped down a church years ago, and just now I'm starting to kind of get back into it. Because you grew up in a church or a, a religious system where it was do, 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 don't, 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 do, don't, do, don't, don't, do, right? And you just weren't good at it. You just weren't good at it, and you just weren't consistent. You weren't disciplined enough to be whatever religion you are or to be a Christian. So you just said, you know what? I'm out, right? I messed up at the Jesus Says game. I can't keep doing this. And if I go to hell, I go to hell. At least I'll know people there. I just can't keep doing this Jesus Says game. I can't play this anymore. Whatever side of the coin we're on. Now listen, right, if that's you today, or if you're thinking that, or you've been processing that, processing those types of thoughts in different ways the last few months or the last couple years, whatever, right? First, let me say I am sorry that this is the experience you've had, or the experience that you're going through right now even, or at some point in your life. I'm sorry that people did that to you, Right? As a church, we're sorry, right, that you were hurt, or even worse, that people did it in the name of Jesus to you, right? Or if you, you did not quit the game, you're, you're holding on, but you're, you're hearing this today, and you're thinking, that's what it feels like, right? Do, 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 don't, don't, do, don't, right? I don't know what's coming next, right? And you don't know how much longer you can, you can do this or hang on to this faith thing, forging your life on God. It's just starting to feel like a game. Or if you're thinking, this is just adding more stuff to my to-do list, right? And my to-do list doesn't have much margin to add anything to, right? That, that, that is all that I've experienced in my faith and my forging my life on God is that, those feelings. Now, if you're thinking those things or have thought those things or experiencing those things now, I have some great news for you, some wonderful hope. Right, if we were to e able to erase, erase everything that we've heard about God, 
If we're able to erase everything that we've heard about God, uh, Jesus, God in the flesh, the, the Son, right? The Bible, religion. If we just kind of go pop, right? Just pop. And everything was, was just gone. <laughs> and we start with a blank slate. And we pick up our Bibles and we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four accounts of Jesus' life and ministry, the first four books of the, the New Testament. Here, if we did that, Here's what we would find. Jesus, God here on earth, we would find this, right? And Jesus' life was so extraordinarily relational. That's what we would find. If we just kind of got rid of everything else, we just looked at the first four books of the gospel, we would find that Jesus' life was so extraordinarily relational. Right? I mean, it was relational on steroids, like Drew Mel on steroids. Drew, you don't know Drew. I played football with him. It was like <laughs> him on roid rage, right? Drew Mel on steroids, right? Listen, listen. Hey, to some of the words, just listen to some of the words Jesus used to describe himself and why he came into this world. Right? He said, I have come so that you can understand the Father. Right? The, the Father is God, and, and that sounds pretty relational to me, right? He wants to introduce us, right? right? He, he would say that we are the children, and God is the Father, and, and God is not a reflection of your Father. He is the perfect Father, a Father who loves and teaches and cares for us in perfect and in a powerful way, a Father who gives us purpose. Right? How relational is that, Foundry Church? Right? That's pretty relational, right? A couple of times he said, I am, I am the, the vine and you are the, the branch. And the vine doesn't say branch do this or, or do that. Right? That's not how it works. He says the vine gives life to the branch. And if the, the branch relies on the vine, then things will happen. Good things. We change and we grow and, and we're forged into something. Pretty relational, Right? A close relationship. He says, I am the good shepherd, and my sheep know my name. They obey me. It's pretty relational, right? He knows our name. We know his voice, right? We could go on and on. So I want you to lean in, and I want you to kind of grab a hold of this as we start this new series, this, this series of sermons that will take us up to Easter. I want you to grab a hold of this. Take a look. Jesus' approach to faith was intensely relational. It was not a list of do's and don'ts. The whole Jesus says game, well, it just misses the bullseye. All right, we just, it's just not the way it is. It just misses the bullseye. Listen, Foundry Church, now, now get this. Take a look at this, right? If our approach to spirituality, our uh, approach to religion, or specifically if our approach to Christianity is anything less than relational, anything less than relational or anything more than relational, like, like we're adding to our faith, like nothing that's in the Bible, right? Right, we're adding to it, then perhaps we have made it into something that it's not. Right, that's, that's the point, right? right we got to ask ourselves that. Perhaps if the Jesus in our mind only gives us a list of, of things that we have to do or a list of things that we shouldn't do, then perhaps our Jesus is too small. Right? Right, the, the God that we're forging our life on is too tiny. 
Right? If Jesus is only a list of things to do, then we have left on the table an entire relationship of love, grace, hope, righteousness, of holiness and friendship and fatherhood, of strength and wisdom. And the list could go on and on of things that we just leave on the table, right? When our faith boils down to only rules that we just have to follow, that we must follow, whether we're good at it or not, man, we miss out on the the person leading the way. We miss out on Jesus, We miss out on God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Now you hear that. You hear what I'm saying. You hear that and you say, well, I don't want to miss out on that. I don't want to miss out on Jesus. But how do I have a relationship with an invisible God? Or how do I continue to have a relationship with God daily? Through the ups and through the downs, through the, the chaos of this world, or, or you don't know my past, and, and I don't know if I could trust God for my future, but my presence is just a mess, so how can I do this? Well, if you're asking that, you've joined us at the start of a very good series of sermons. Right? Because over the, the next couple of weeks, we're going to look, like I said, at the four books I mentioned earlier, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and learn from from Jesus himself, how to have a relationship with him, right? And in turn, have a relationship with God the Father. Not just an initial encounter, but an ongoing relationship. How to have a a relationship with the the one true God, the God of the universe, the God of salvation. I'm getting excited just thinking about it, right? And, and to do that, to start to dig into this, we're going to focus on one word through this series that Jesus comes back to over and over again. And I hope you've already kind of picked up on it. It's this word, follow. Hence the name of the series. <laughs> right? Follow. Right? Over and over again to every kind of person imaginable. Right? To the, the rich people, to the poor people, to the people who were spiritual, to the people uh, that weren't spiritual, to the religious, to the irreligious, all kinds of people. He would say one thing to them. He would say, follow. <laughs> Just follow. Right? Let's look at one of the first times that he extends this invitation. If you have your Bibles, Turn them to the book of Matthew. Book of Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament. If you don't have your Bibles, you can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you. And you can take those with you. They are for you to have, to keep, to give away. Be in the first book, or you can download the Foundry Burke app at your favorite app store. It's free. You download that and click the Bible tab along with there's announcement tabs and all kinds of stuff on there. You should have that. But click the Bible tab, and today's scripture is pulled up there for you. Now, as you're turning there, let me give you some context, right? Let me kind of serve this up like, well, I just watched uh, Top Gun. So let me serve this up like Tom, Tom Cruise playing volleyball here. Right, as you turn to Matthew chapter 9, right, for, for some, this may be kind of a familiar story, right? 
It's kind of a familiar story, but if, if, if you are new to this faith thing, you're going to love this story. Or if you're somewhat of a, an anti-religious person, uh, you're going to really love this story. right? In fact, I would love for you to love this story so much that you go home and you read it on your own or with your family later this week. right? Matthew chapter 9 is where we're going to be. Right? This, this story is not only in the book of Matthew, it is about Matthew himself. All right, and this is what he says, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. All right, he says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. Now keep your finger right there. Right, because he was a tax collector, let me say this about tax collectors during this time of history. Right, the, the only category that I can think of that would compare to a tax collector during this first century Israel setting, or at least I could compare to in our modern setting, that would elicit kind of the same emotion of a tax collector in this first century setting, right, as it did back then, the same kind of emotion. The only other person that I can kind of relate this to would be the 22-year-old kid behind 7-Eleven, selling drugs to middle schoolers who are trying to just get a slushy, right? <laughs> right? That's what we're talking about when we say, when we read tax collector, right? When you think of that person, right, the, the kid, the college kid behind 7-Eleven selling drugs, right, what do we think of? Awful, right? D- disgusting, right? Now, now, there may be better examples, there may be worse examples, but I don't think uh, I can talk about them in church, maybe Putin maybe, right? But, but here's the point, right? Here's the point. Take a look. Go ahead and throw that up there. The idea of a tax collector in Jewish culture was disgusting. It was disgusting. Right? It was, it was disgusting, right? Rome would auction off the right to collect taxes in all of their providences all around, right? Everywhere, right? So generally, if it was an auction, only pretty wealthy people were able to bid to have the privilege to collect taxes, and they would only get richer from there, right? They would only get more money from there, right? So if you owned the opportunity to collect taxes in a region, you would collect as much tax as you want, right? As long as Rome got their predetermined share, right? So you could, you could add on as much as you wanted. As long as you sent to Rome what they wanted, you could pocket the rest, right? So anything over Rome's share, you got to keep, Right, and there were all kinds of taxes during this time, right? Poll tax, bridge tax, income tax, food tax. If you were on a harbor, there was a tax, crossroad tax, wine tax, property tax, right? You can go on and on and on, right? So, so it was an extremely lucrative business for these tax collectors, right? And, and these Roman citizens would then go to, to Roman-controlled providences like Judea, right, Israel, and hire locals to work for them and collect the actual taxes. So it wasn't Roman citizens. It was other Jewish citizens collecting taxes from, from, from their fellow Jews, right? And these people, they were hated the most, They were simply hated the most. They were like the the Benedict Arnold working for the enemy. They were were outcasts. They could not even go to the temple. They weren't allowed to go to the temple anymore. And they definitely could not be a part of proper Jewish society. 
Right? They, they had to kind of hang out, as we're going to see later on in this story, with other tax collectors and, and people like themselves. That's who they had to hang out with. And so Matthew, our, our guy for today, was one of these people. So, so what does Jesus do? Right? What does Jesus do? Well, Jesus walks right up to him while he's collecting taxes, mind you, right? And Jesus could have said one of many things to Matthew, right? He, he could have came up to Matthew and he could have walked up to him and said, hey, you call yourself Jewish and you work for them? Or he could have said that or he could have said kind of sarcastically, you know, I bet your mother's real proud of you, buddy, <laughs> Right? He could have just completely ignored Matthew and, and just walked right on by, ignored the situation. Above all the things that Jesus could have said, uh, should have said, uh, would have been completely justified in saying to Matthew, Jesus just looks at Matthew, this tax collector, this disgusting person in this society, and he says this, follow me. Follow me. Follow me, he says. Now, now, Scripture does not tell us what the reaction from the crowd was like, right? But listen, if I had to guess, I, I bet there was probably a pretty loud and audible, like, groan heard. <laughs> right? Like, what's going on, right? People whispering, did you hear what he said? Right? And you know Peter. All right, we know Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, good old Peter, one of Jesus' followers, is probably like, because he's already with Jesus at this time, and he's probably like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. If he follows you, that means he will be with me. <laughs> but I'm definitely not with him. He's a tax collector. Right? So, so today we might have heard something like, whoa, 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 right? he's, a, he's a Republican, or whoa, 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 he's a Democrat, or whoa, 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 she's an immigrant, whoa, 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 right? he doesn't like the same worship music as me, whoa, 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 she wears a mask, or whoa, 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 like, why do they do this, or why is he doing that, or why do they believe this, or why are they acting like this, right? we just fill in the blank, we can keep going, right? But not Jesus. Right? Jesus. Jesus looks at Matthew and he says, follow me. Follow me. And this was not just an invitation. we got to get this. This was not just an invitation to walk down the street together, to go get an ice cream cone. Right? This was not that kind of invitation. This was somewhat of a formal invitation to become a part of Jesus' inner circle, to become a part of the posse, to be a member of the, the squad, right? to get a, like a, a letter jacket right? or a motorcycle vest. Right? All right, take a look, right? Jesus, Jesus was saying to Matthew, begin to identify yourself with me, and I will begin to identify myself with you. Man, relationship. Relationship right there, right? Now, now this is important. We've got to take a moment. We've got to notice, Foundry Church, what Jesus did not say, right? And I know we only read half of a verse here, but he, he did not say, now, Matthew... Matthew, right, now, Matthew, if you're willing to do, right, fill in the blank. If you're willing to do this, whatever, you can follow me, right? That's not what he said, right? Or he said, if you're willing to stop, whatever, right, collecting taxes, being bad, whatever, right, you can follow me. 
That's not what he said. He, he, he didn't say, if you're willing to start doing this, you can follow me. He didn't say that, right? He, he, he said, uh, if you'll do this three times, you can follow me, right? He didn't say any of these things, right? He did not say, hey, I'll tell you what, Matthew, old buddy, old pal, I, I'm going to give you a, a test, a little assignment, and I'll check back in three weeks. And, and if you completed all your homework, and then you can follow me. That's not what he said. That's not how it went down. Jesus simply said, Matthew, follow me. Man, I love it, Foundry Church, right? Because look what happens, what, what happens in the story, right? The, the second part of the verse there, right? He says, follow me, be my disciple. Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up and he followed him. And the dude got up out of his tax collecting booth, money making scheme, and he left it and he followed him, right? Just a side note, if you've watched that new series of shows, Oh, uh, man, I forget what it's called now. The Chosen. They have a good illustration. They, they, they film this well, this kind of relationship of Matthew, right, of, of what he's doing to the people and the relationship he might have with Peter. Just a side note. Watch that. It's worth it. It's very good stuff. All right. Back at it. Right, it, it was that simple. Right? Matthew got up, and he followed Jesus. Man. That was it, right? I, I like to think of it like this. My, my nephew, Simeon, comes to mind when I hear this. You see, every year we get the honor and the great high privilege to go on vacation with Simeon, my 10-year-old nephew. Right? That's how he puts it, right? right? We get the honor to go on vacation with him. And what's cool is that every year on vacation, he makes a new friend, right? Every year. And, and you know how he does it? Right? He, on the first day, we all go down to the beach after, after we carry all of our junk, I mean stuff, right? <laughs> Christina, all right? After the hour-long setup process where no one helps me, right? <laughs> after that, right, Simeon, he, he looks around, he finds someone that he does not know, and he walks over to them, and he says, hey, what's up? He does a little, what's up, right? What's up? I'm Simeon. You want to be my friend? And this is what's so great about this. Simeon's like 10 years old or something, right? And the person that he goes up to could be anyone, right? It could be a 21-year-old college student fresh off a keg stand, right? And he says, what's up? I'm Simeon, right? right? Or it could be a five-year-old little girl, right? It doesn't matter. He just wants a friend, and he has not struck out yet, right? He hasn't struck out yet, right? They always get up and they play with him. And this reminds me of this story in Matthew, and it reminds me of this truth, right? Sometimes when someone asks you a simple question, a simple answer is all you need, right? Follow me. Okay. Okay, Jesus, right? It's sometimes when someone asks you a simple question, a simple answer is all you need. We complicate things sometimes. Let's continue with the story. Verse, verse 10, because the story doesn't end right there, right? It says later, verse 10 there, later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disruptible sinners. All right, keep your finger there. Now this verse is funny to me, all right? And it's something that Andy Stanley, who points out that I never caught, Right? Matthew invited the Savior of the world over for dinner. 
Right? He invited Jesus over for dinner, and because Matthew is who he is, the only friends he has over to, uh, or is able to have over and to invite over for dinner are other tax collectors and other sinners. Right? And Stanley points out this. Right? These people aren't even given a name. Right? <laughs> They're just sinners. Right? Other, other tax collectors. Other sinners, right? right? They're not even given a, a name, right? What that really means is that these people were people outside of the Jewish religious system, right? They didn't even bother making sacrifices for their sin. They, they sat down in the Jesus says game, right? They, they just left it. I'm out, right? Right? They lived by the motto, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die and we're all probably going to go to hell, so we might as well enjoy each other's company as long as we can. And this is where Jesus chose to go. Right? This, this is who Jesus has invited to follow him. Right? Now, let me, let me tell you why this is such a, a, a big deal. Right, and if you're new to Christianity or if you're exploring it, or if you were out of church for a while and you're just kind of now getting back into it, or even if you were kicked out of a church, I know there's someone watching that, that's the case, right? What I'm about to say is for you, right? This, this is so important, right? Jesus, look, Jesus was extraordinarily comfortable with people who were not anything like him. And apparently, right, people who were nothing like Jesus were very comfortable with him. That's what we're starting to learn here. That's what we're starting to grasp. And you know what that means? Right? It means that if you are not a religious person, you are not forging your life uh, on God yet. Right? In fact, you may be kind of anti-Christian, or if you have questions, if you have doubts, and that's okay. If you're not sure that you're in on this Jesus thing yet, wherever you are on the spectrum, or if you've been following Jesus forever, right? if you feel anything, right? if you're not a Christian, if you feel anything but total uh, totally and utterly accepted and loved by Christians, by us as a church, by, by Christians, the world, the church, people forging their life on God, if you feel anything but totally and utterly accepted and loved by us, that is not our Savior. That's not his fault. It's our fault. It's us Christians' fault. We messed up. We're, we're chasing gold stars on our chart. We weren't loving people. We weren't doing the hard thing. And if that's the case, if you've ever felt like that, I'm sorry. Because you see, our, our Savior, our God, was extraordinarily comfortable with people who were nothing like him. People who were hurt or people that were still living a life that just wasn't acceptable, we would call disgusting, like a tax collector. And those people, they liked him. They liked Jesus. In fact, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you just get everything else out, and you just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I dare you to try and prove me wrong, right? You read that, and you, you look and you, you look at where Jesus is. These people followed him everywhere, right? To every single place he went, outcasts, people who didn't fit in, people who weren't sure about this whole faith thing were there. Now that is extraordinary. Right? Jesus would not be put off by our sin. Jesus would not be uncomfortable even though he knew our thoughts. 
Jesus would not walk away from you or around you. Right? Jesus would not ignore you. He would sit down at a table with you. He would eat with you, and he would let you bring your not-so-perfect friends to the table. That's a pretty wonderful thought, isn't it? That's a pretty powerful thought, isn't it? Right? Jesus, knowing what Matthew did last summer, knowing what he did last uh, spring, knowing what he did last night, uh, knowing what he wished he had done uh, right, last night, he still looked at Matthew and he still says, hey, Matthew, follow me. What a God. Man, what a God. All right, let's keep going. Verse 11. Man, this is a great story. I love the book of Matthew. All right, verse 11, when, when the Pharisees saw this, what was happening, right, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with, eat with such scum? <laughs> That's funny. All right, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Right, uh, now remember, right, tax collectors could not hang out with any of the holy people of the time because of their job, right? They, they were sinners. They were disgusting. So, so when you read this verse, remember that, that inside with Jesus is Matthew, a disgusting tax collector, right? And, and his disgusting tax collector friends and other sinners of the community, right? And outside of where Jesus is, outside of the room where Jesus is are the religious people. The rule keepers. And they're saying, they're saying if this guy is who he says he is, then he should be like us and he should be with us and, and doing what we're doing, right? He, he's a holy man and, and we're holy people and, and he's a law keeper and we're law keepers. He worships God the Father and, and we worship God the Father. We have so much in common. This is what they're, they're thinking. This is what they're saying to the other disciples. So they're saying, why does he choose people that he has nothing in common with instead of us? Why does he eat with us? Why does he choose them and eat with them? People he has nothing in common with. Why does he have dinner with them? Right, these are the things that they're thinking, the things that they're asking. Right, there, there, there is, there's this saying that's been or said a million different ways over time. And I don't know who originally said it. But it goes something like this, right? If the God you are serving does everything the way you're doing it, or he thinks just like you, right? Like every decision you make is like, yeah, that's God's decision, right? right? If the God you're serving does everything the way that you are doing it or would do it or thinks just like you, you might just be serving yourself and not God. Woo! Right? Man, I, I think this is, this is what's going on with the Pharisees, right? They were so hung up on how they were not... Uh, there, like they, they weren't with Jesus. They were so hung up on how holy they were, how perfect they were, they forgot how perfect Jesus really was. <laughs> right? they, were, they were so confused, right? And Jesus knows there's this disturbance in the force, right? It's like he, he just knows that there's something going on. And so we enter into a really strange part of the story, right? Jesus, I guess, is just sitting around the table with Matthew and with all of his friends. And they are all feeling a little awkward. And they're trying to figure out what is really going on and who is who. 
And, and what is the commotion going on outside? And Jesus knows all of this, everything, and he knows what they're thinking. He knows what the, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders are saying outside. He knows it all, and he says this in verse 12. Go ahead and look at it with me. He says, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. <laughs> now, that's funny. Right, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Now, imagine if you're Matthew and you hear this. Jesus says, I'm here for the sick. <laughs> now, if I'm Matthew, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait one minute. You're at my house, you're a guest at my table. Who are you calling sick? And I don't know how this went down. I really don't. I think Jesus just smiled and he said, Matthew, dude, dude, you're a tax collector. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> of course you're sick, right? right? Because Jesus knew the truth about them, right? right? And listen, he knows the truth about us too. An awful lot of us sound like those religious leaders standing outside, don't we? I mean, just, just be honest. And if you, you think you have it all together, that your stuff doesn't smell, right? And that it smells like roses, like tucking your toes because I'm going to step on them for a moment, Right? If we're like those religious leaders, if we fall into that, that trap of just trying to get it perfect, of getting a gold star and that's it, right? Thinking we have it all together or at least we're going to do better than, than the people inside or whatever, right? Come on, man. We can't think like that. We can't think like that. You know you're sick, right? Be honest. Right, you, we got to know that there is something that is wrong with us. And I know this is hard to hear at a church. All right? But let's just be honest here, authentic here for a moment. Right? We're not even consistent with our own values. Right? I mean, Dad, right? You, you've had the talk with your son, but your browser history probably shows a different total story. Right? You're doing what you asked your son not to do. Or, or our mom, right, you told your daughter not to talk like that, but your conversations sound a lot, a lot like those, those words that you told her not to use or, or that, that gossip you said don't do, right? You don't even keep the rules that you want your daughter to keep. Or, hey, hey boss, right, you don't even do what you ask your employees to do, right? <laughs> when was the last time you logged in on time, right? Break your own rules. Or even, like, or pastor, right? How often are you actually doing what you're asking your congregation to do, right? And we could go on and on and on for every role that we play in this room, right? For everyone in this room, right? And if we are all honest, even if we're not sure we believe, right? Even if we're not sure we believe or, or if we want to forge a relationship, a lifelong relationship on God. If we're honest, though, eh, If there is a God, we've broken the rules. We've messed up somewhere along our, our path or are messing up. We're all sick. We've all messed up. We all missed the mark. Look, right, if the standard is Jesus, we all fall short, right? And, and you don't need a preacher to tell you that. I mean, just think about it, right? We all fall short. Even, even if you don't believe in God, just historically, we're not as cool as he was, right? We fall short, and let me say this, only the people who are willing to look in the mirror, who, who have the, the, the guts and the character enough to look in the mirror and say, hey, I'm sick. I'm sick. 
are really following Jesus. If you have the guts to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I need a Savior. Daily. I'm sick. Because honestly, if we think we are, are perfect, then we, do we need a Savior? Right? If you think you've never messed up or, or, or don't mess up anymore, like you've reached the pinnacle of your faith journey or something, if, if you think you have it all together, if you have no regrets, then well, congratulations. Right? You're the second person in all of history to do that. Good for you. But if you're like the rest of us, if you're like the rest of us, then, well, we, we better keep reading because we got to see what we should do. All right, look, look at verse 13 there. All right? Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Right? In other words, Jesus is saying this, right? I'm not content. I am not content to simply be with people who believe all the right things, and I'm not simply content to hang out with people who behave in all the right ways. Jesus says, here is what I want. Instead of trying to believe the right things and, and doing the right things, follow me. That's what I want. Follow me and bring as many imperfect people with you as you can to the table, and I'll handle the rest. Man, I find comfort in that because I don't got to be the Spirit of God. Like, I just got to bring people over for dinner. I can do dinner. <laughs> the Spirit of God can do the rest. I just got to follow him. Right now, let me, let me talk to those of you, to us, who are Christians, who are forging your life on God and have been doing it for a while. Right, just for a second here, because this is, this is why this is so important for us to grasp and to hold to. Right, we dare not become, and I'm glad we're not this type of church, right? We dare not become a church that is content to gather together and believe the right things, behave the right ways, and just stop there. Right? Because if, if we do, we will find ourselves standing outside the very room that Jesus is in. If we just stop right there, we're just believing and doing the right things, just stop there, we will find ourselves standing outside of the room where our Lord is. Where he comes to call. The room that he's in, where he comes to call. We will be standing outside the room as he comes to call the sick and the sinners to those who need a Savior, including us, and we won't be in the room. I don't want to pastor a church, and I don't want to attend a church, and I really don't want my family attending a church that's all about believing the right things and behaving the right way and forget everything else. And I know that sounds weird. I know that sounds weird, right? When we accepted the call to follow Jesus, to live our best life, a life forged on him, and accepted his salvation, right? He called us to follow him into places, into relationships that he will be in. He calls us to go with him. And we've been called. 
We have been privileged. We have been given the opportunity to partner with the Savior, our Savior, our God, for those who acknowledge that they're sick, just like we once were and still are, still struggling, right? We still need his grace and truth, right? It's not enough just to believe right. It's not enough just to behave right. In fact, the church or any, any group of Christians that is, is content to simply believe right and behave right eventually will become the Pharisees. They'll become judgmental. They become the ones that say as soon as you change, as soon as you're right, as soon as you're not disgusting, you can be a part of us. And that's just baloney. Right? Right? They, they play the game of Jesus says over and over again. They, they fail, they fall out, and then they join back in because that's all they know. They believe right, behave right. right? Jesus came along. He turned it all upside down. He messed everybody up. And if you tune out and you don't hear anything else, don't miss this. In fact, right, take a picture of it. That's the best way to take notes, right? Don't miss this. Jesus showed up and said, join and you will change. Figure, join, and you will change, right? Jesus says, no, I don't really care what you're doing or what you believe or what you, you don't believe, even, even what you don't believe about me or what you do believe about me. I want you to invite you just to take a little baby step and just hang out for a little bit. Follow me for a little bit, right? But, but let me warn you, right? If you follow him for very long... If you take it serious, right, you follow him for very long, one of these days you may look in that mirror and you may not recognize what you see, right? Not because you've, you've been in an endless game of Jesus says, but because, well, he's like a father and we have a relationship with him. He's like a vine and we're the branch and we have a relationship with him because he's like the good shepherd and we're his sheep, and he calls us by name, and we know his voice, and we have a relationship with him, and we follow him. So that is what this series is about. It is about saying, regardless of where you are, or whatever end of the spectrum you are on in your faith, right, in this journey, this invitation is for you, follow Jesus. Right? Follow Jesus. Man. Forge your life on him. Your best life is a life that is connected and forged on him for all of eternity. Or maybe you need to follow him in just figuring out who he is. That's what I mean. Just, just come. Follow him. As the band comes back up, three quick things to kind of wrap up, up this and kind of move us in the right direction. Three things about this follow series. All right. All right, here we go. Number one, all right? Being a sinner, having sinned, our sinning, whatever, does not disqualify you. It's a prerequisite. Whoa. Whoa. It's a prerequisite. I can't even say it now. Prerequisite. It doesn't disqualify you. All right? This is so important. Every single person that Jesus invited to follow him and every single person that eventually said yes to his salvation was a sinner, every single one, and sometimes we still mess up, right? The only people that resisted following Jesus were the people who thought they were perfect, 
Right, the less perfect the person was, the, the greater their candidacy was in terms of becoming a follower of Jesus. Right, exhibit A, Jesus called Matthew. And he ended up writing a whole book of the Bible. Right, Jesus called Matthew before Matthew had prayed anything. Right? Uh, Jesus called Matthew before he had committed anything, before Matthew had repented of anything, before Matthew was promised anything, before Matthew accepted salvation. Right? Listen, listen, this is important. There is no sin. There is no habit. There is no addiction. There is no illness. There is no problem in this world. Nothing that puts you outside of the circle of those that have been invited to follow Jesus because we've all been invited to follow Jesus no matter where you are in this faith thing. None, period, full stop, none. Nothing puts you outside of that. Follow Jesus. You can, no matter where you are. And you say, well, you know what? You don't know me, Andrew. I don't need to know you. I don't need to know you. Jesus knows you. <laughs> and we're going to see in the next few weeks, he still looks you right in the eye and he says, follow me. That's what he says. Now, number two, I called you guys way up, two up way up early. <laughs> the invitation to follow is purely an invitation to a relationship. It's an invitation to a relationship. It's not an invitation to keep the Ten Commandments. It's not an invitation to a new list of rules. It's not even an invitation to obedience. And let me tell you why, why this is important. Right? If, if you were married to someone who obeyed all the marriage rules and, and you obeyed all the marriage rules, you would not necessarily have a good marriage. Right? You wouldn't have a good relationship, I mean. Right? It's not about rules because rules do not make a relationship. In fact, the reason that I keep the marriage rules... It's because I'm in love with Christina. That's why I keep the rules. And listen, we just spent a week apart, and she had to work in Cincinnati. And when I saw her walk out of the airport, right, when I was picking her up, I fell in love all over again. Aw. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> you know what I did not do when I got home, though? I didn't bust down a, a list and say, hey, these are the things uh, that she as a wife should do every day to remind her uh, what to do, right? I, right? I don't have a list like that. She doesn't have a list like that. We don't even have, uh, like, I don't even know where you would find a list like that. You know why? Because uh, I'm in love, right? I follow the rules because following the rules brings joy to my life, right? Look, rules don't make the relationship. Relationships drive us to follow the rules. So when we say follow Jesus, it's not about obedience, right? It's about a relationship, right? Jesus knew this when he called Matthew, and he knows it, knows it today when he calls us. Listen, full disclosure, right? If you start loving Jesus, you'll start doing things differently, that's a good thing, right? Not because you got up in the morning and you said, okay, remember, good Christians do this and bad Christians, or they, they do that, right? So I'm going to be a good Christian, so I'm going to do this. That's not the reason, right? It's because you begin each day in a relationship with the Savior of the world. That's how you grow. That's how you forge, right? And then the third one is this. Like I said, I called you guys up way too early. 
following forces me, when we follow Jesus, no matter where we are, it forces me to be more aware of the work that God has yet to do in me and less and less critical of what God has yet to do in you. <laughs> All right, let me, let me explain, right? If you are a Christian and you don't follow Jesus, you are not actively following, right? If you're not actively following him, like daily, actively doing what you need to do, you become a Pharisee, right? Like, uh, like we said, right? Uh, standing on the outside of the, the dinner of the room where Jesus is and you're looking in and, and you're judging. How, he can be, how can he be there? Look how good I am. Why is he not with me? You see, when I, when I wake up every day and I say, God, my goal is to keep the Ten Commandments today, right? When we, when we do that, when we focus on the rules, on, on the doing, it forces us or causes us to recognize that everybody else in the world who are not doing those things or, or they're not doing them as well as us, it forces us or causes us to recognize uh, that because they don't do it like we do it. Or as well as us. But, but if instead, instead of doing that, if instead we wake up every day and we say, hey, Jesus, my goal is to be to the best of my ability just to simply follow you, to forge my life on you to the best of my ability, wherever you lead me, into whatever you lead me into. If we do that, we become so aware of our own responsibility, we don't have time to judge someone else. We don't have time, right? That's what makes the body of Christ so extraordinary. That's what makes the foundry so extraordinary, right? When men and women come together, and some know a, a lot, some know a little bit, some have been walking with Jesus for a very long time, some have been walking with Jesus just a little bit of time, some people are just like, I don't even know who Jesus is. I heard there was like coffee, I came. Right? It doesn't matter. Some people have great faith. Some people have a little bit of faith, and they're, they're just moving slowly, right? But every day, to the best of our ability, if we're moving in the same direction, learning to become more and better followers of Jesus, instead of just checking off lists or just meeting all the rules, if we, if we just try to become better and more followers of Jesus, bring more people with us, amazing things are going to happen. Amazing things are going to happen. So as we, as we launch this series, as we launch what I hope becomes a conversation around our own dinner tables, in our home with each other, in the next few weeks on Thursday as we gather just to pray together and to kind of just worship together for a few moments, right, the question that is this, am I following Jesus? That's the question. Not am I doing this or doing that, am, am I hitting the, the page marks on my Bible reading plan or Am I just following Jesus? Am I, to the best of my ability, actively forging my life on God? Not have I prayed a prayer. Not even am I a Christian. Not have I decided to accept the free gift of salvation. Not have I committed, but am I actively, intentionally engaged in the process of following and forging my life on Jesus? And is his invitation extended to the world through my life is the invitation of grace and truth extended the invitation to follow given to everyone else in my life through me following Jesus those are the questions
Let's start thinking about those as we stand together and as we continue to worship and sing praises to our awesome God.